0: This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 91. In this episode, I will tell the story how the six-day event started nearly 250 years ago in England. How far can you run in six days?
1: Huh? I, I don't know that. <laughs>
0: I would like to thank the many of you who have signed up to be a patron for Ultra Running History. A nice group has signed up, and it is helping. Here is a shout-out to some of our new Patreon members, Henry Peck of Maryland, Ken Ward from California, and Rob Flowers. Please consider also becoming a patron by signing up to contribute a few dollars per month. Go to ultrarunninghistory.com member to become my partner. That's ultrarunninghistory.com slash member to become a Patreon member. Will do! The six-day event has roots in the ultra-running sport going back nearly 250 years. Ultra-runners who exclusively run trails may wonder, what is this six-day race and why is it important? The six-day race is an event to see how far you can run or walk in a period of 144 hours or six days on roads, tracks, or trails. Six days was a historic time limit established to avoid competing on Sundays, respecting local laws of the time and the religious beliefs of many of the participants. Thus, the never-on-Sunday background music that you hear. Today the 6 day world record is held by Yanis Kouros of Greece who covered an astonishing distance of 635 miles on a track in New York City in 1984. It was a hero's finish for all the 31 runners, but the real hero was 28-year-old Yanos Kouros of Greece. The leader through much of the race shattered record after record, and then just a little afternoon today, Kouros set a new world's record racking up 635 miles. That beat the all-time mark set 96 years ago by 12 miles.
1: How do you feel? How do you feel? Very good.
0: Later Coros in 1988 covered 639 miles on a paved-loop course at Flushing Meadows, also in New York. Historically, the six-day race grew out of solo six-day challenges motivated by significant wagers and fame. They were first accomplished by ultra-distance walkers or runners, referred to as pedestrians, who covered staggering distances during the late 1700s. Recent research has discovered that there were far more athletes than previously were known who took up the six-day challenge in the early 1800s. These occurred exclusively in Britain. Their grueling runs or walks were accomplished outdoors on dirt and muddy roads or trails, frequently in harsh weather conditions. Eventually, in the late 1800s, these challenges evolved into races that were the top spectator sport in America for more than a decade. That will be explained in the next episode. But how did the six-day challenge begin? Here is the story. The first famous british pedestrian foster powell started the focus on walking or running the six days and can be considered the father of the six-day challenge powell was born in 1734 in hirsworth yorkshire england near the city of leeds when he was 28 in 1762 he moved to london to work as a law clerk he worked hard But was the object of ridicule among his fellow clerks who regarded him as quote a milk stop and a muff (laughs) he was described
1: as a cadaverous looking young fellow thin and apparently weak he was thought very little of either in respect of his mental or physical qualities He was a quiet, inoffensive lad, shy, and somewhat unsocial, with nothing in the faintest degree remarkable in him.
0: His truly remarkable talent soon became evident as he became fond to take long, solitary walks. One Saturday, Pal was asked by his fellow clerks where he was going to spend Sunday. He replied that he intended to walk to Windsor and back, about 50 miles, starting after work.
1: That's crazy. This announcement provoked the jeers of his companions. Thereupon, for the moment, he lost his temper and challenged any one of them to walk with him.
0: He wasn't actually serious about going that distance, but once two other clerks agreed to walk, he couldn't back down. Off they went, and the first companion dropped out after 10 miles, and the
1: second after 20. Powell finished alone. This feat raised him immensely in the estimation of fellow clerks, who spread the reports of his pedestrian prowess.
0: Powell took up his serious walking career in 1764. His first widely publicized walk was for 50 miles in seven hours, wearing, quote, a great coat and leather breeches. Walking in those very early days was a general term these pioneer pedestrians of the late 1700s and early 1800s actually performed a, quote, jog trot, or a mixture of walking and running. Powell's true fame flourished in 1773, an eventful year for him, that, quote, added fresh luster to his fame, which was never from that time to be dimmed. The event that caused the greatest stir was his attempt to walk and run about 400 miles from London to York and back in less than six days.
1: Public opinion was divided as to the possibility of the feat. Many good judges holding that, except under very favorable conditions of weather, the thing was absolutely impossible.
0: Heavy betting took place, with the odds being slightly in favor of Powell. At age 34, Powell started his historic six-day journey on November 29, 1773, at 1220 AM. He started from Hicks Hall, an old courthouse that was at the head of the Great North Road that ran between London and York, continuing on to Edinburgh, Scotland.
1: The Celts, the Romans, the Anglo-Saxons, and then the Normans all contributed to the complex network of highways, byways, paths, and tracks around England and Wales.
0: Stagecoaches traveled this dirt road daily, delivering mail to the cities. The Daily Mail took about 21 hours to go from London to York. In Powell's era, the street around Hicks Hall had become terribly busy and noisy from court business. When Powell started out that early morning, all should have been quiet, but he was escorted by a crowd of enthusiastic admirers up the road. Powell was determined to succeed and covered an impressive 88 miles on the first day in 20 and a half hours, reaching Stanford where he stopped for the night at 9 p.m. On day two, he walked another 72 miles to Doncaster with its great church tower and smoking chimney stacks, He waved to the mail coaches that passed him daily in each direction. The coach, wagon, and cart traffic had worn deep ruts in the road, which was a difficult obstacle for him to run over. Another obstacle were the numerous hills along the way. However, it was said,
1: The rises called hills on the Great North Road would generally pass unnoticed elsewhere.
0: Did Pal only walk or did he run too? Yes, he also ran. Some sportsmen rode out from York 20 miles to meet him heading that way.
1: They found him cheerful and confident, and to show how fresh he was, he volunteered to run the last 17 miles, which he did in less than two hours.
0: For the last three miles that day, several people tried to run with him, but could not keep up with the incredible athlete. On day three, Powell reached York and entered the ancient city section, with its grim castle in front, bridges to the left, and then came to the walled city through Micklegate, the finest of all the medieval defensible gateways. There he reached the turnaround point, 200 miles. All the streets here are called gates. So when you say gate, it doesn't mean gate that opens, it means gata. It's from the Scandinavian word gata, meaning a street. Before continuing on, he went to a pub, the Golden Anchor, for lunch and to sleep for a couple hours in the afternoon. At 5.30 p.m., he started his return trip to London. Not wanting to be bothered by a large crowd of spectators that had gathered, he disguised himself and successfully started off again, unrecognized. The master of disguise. I think it's time for you to go. On day four, he covered 65 miles, and seeing from afar the lofty tall steeple of the parish church of Grantham, he stopped at one of its many inns for the night. He had about 110 more miles to go. On day five, Pal became increasingly weary and walked 54 miles in 17 hours. For his final day, he arose early, starting at 4 a.m. When he reached Highgate in North London with four miles to go, he was met by a crowd of 5,000 people who escorted him playing French horns to the finish. News of his 400-mile six-day accomplishment spread across London. 15 years passed. By 1788, Powell, age 52, was quite a celebrity because of his very long-distance journeys. He was described as
1: about five feet eight inches high his body rather slim but his legs and thighs are stout and well calculated for such a journey
0: that year powell repeated the london york and back feet again in six days accompanied by two men on horseback and one on foot this time his six-day challenge attracted a huge number of spectators along the route
1: The streets of several towns he went through, and even the roads for several miles were crowded with both horse and foot, as almost to impede his passage.
0: He finished in 5 days, 19 hours, 30 minutes. In 1790, he attempted the run for the third time and finished in 5 days, 22 hours, 10 minutes.
1: He was so fresh that he offered to walk 100 miles the next day in 24 hours.
0: In July 1792, Pal, aged 58, finally improved his fastest-known time on the Great North Road by covering the 400 miles of muddy roads in only five days, 13 hours, 35 minutes, proving he was the greatest pedestrian of his time.
1: The weather so boisterous that it was only with superhuman exertions that he pulled off his match.
0: Elated with his success, Pal wanted to walk 500 miles in seven days, but could not find anyone to accept the wager. A few months later, in early 1793, Powell grew ill, likely from the effects of his last six-day journey. He died in his apartment in Clements Inn on April 15, 1793, at the age of 59. Some wondered if he lived in a life of riches from his six-day professional walking winnings. His obituary
1: reported, These extraordinary feats never produced him enough to keep him above the reach of indigence. Poverty was his constant companion in his travels through life, even to the hour of his death.
0: The bulk of his winnings actually went to aristocratic backers, who rarely offered anything to help him meet expenses. Foster Powell was buried in St. Paul's Cathedral Churchyard in London.
1: The followers were twenty on foot, in black gowns, and after them came three mourning coaches. The attendants were all men of respectability. He was buried under the only tree in the churchyard.
0: After his death, an anonymous pamphlet was published about Powell. The preface included,
1: In all ages, there have been men who have distinguished themselves in some particular manner. Few have caused more notice than the deceased, who was the greatest pedestrian ever known in England.
0: Foster Powell had set the six-day standard that would be remembered for decades. Nearly all six-day attempts in the decades that followed pointed their efforts to Powell's previous accomplishments. Dozens attempted to match or improve on his feet. Each attempt had their own unique experiences that are interesting to examine and will be familiar to those who participate in fixed-time races today. Here are a few. The first known challenger came in 1789. Thomas Savager, age 47, a short 5'4", labourer from Herefordshire, England. He wanted to match the Powell feet. He chose to walk back and forth from Hereford to Ludlow on a very rough and stony road. Despite being lame with one leg shorter than the other, Savager headed out to cover the same distance in six days. His wager also required him to climb a difficult two-mile lofty hill of Dinsmore three times each day.
1: The weather was very much against him as there was a continued fall of sleet and snow during the journey
0: but he ended up with 404 miles with five hours to spare, winning the wager. Afterwards, observers added up the additional miles he covered to go to and from his lodgings and elsewhere and believed he actually covered 429 miles during those six days. In 1818, Daniel Crisp, a bricklayer from Paddington, England, the quote, champion of the pedestrian world, announced that he would attempt to beat Powell's 404 miles, doing it in five days, covering about 80 miles per day. He walked an easier route, going back and forth on a half-mile stretch on Andover Road near Newbury. It was said that a crowd of 7,000 spectators would daily gather to watch, and the road was lined with men on horseback to keep the pressing crowd back. During the final day, the wind was fierce, along with 10 hours of rain. The last mile was accomplished in nine minutes. Chris did not reach the 404 mile distance in five days, but he did average 75 miles each day for a total of 450 miles in six days.
1: He was cheered with the most rapturous applause. The bells in Newbury struck a merry peal.
0: A collection was taken up for Chris, but it was said to be very inconsiderable. For some reason, a six-day craze erupted in 1822 as many of the prominent pedestrians made their attempt to reach 400 miles within six days or less. There were many British pedestrians who had walked sub-24-hour 100-milers, and some had even walked distances of 1,000 miles or further. See episodes 17 and 18. Early in 1822, one of these famous pedestrians likely attempted the Six-Day Challenge, which resurfaced the earlier stories of Foster Powell's accomplishments in detail. That prompted the public to be interested in making wagers to see if their favorite pedestrian could break Powell's records. Blakesley, the Yorkshire pedestrian, started his six day attempt in early May 1822 on a circular route of 380 miles from London to Exeter and back. He was motivated by a wager of a staggering 200 guineas, or about $26,000 in today's value. He succeeded, but with great difficulty, and arrived back to London with less than a half hour to spare. During October 1822, there were at least three pedestrians on the Great North Road attempting the Six-Day Challenge, going from London to York and back. John Phipps Townsend, aged 30, famous for his backward walking, took on a massive wager to make the walk in less time than Foster Powell did in 1773. Townsend experienced a rough finish.
1: Townsend was much distressed and believed he could not have gone through the last stage had he not been solaced and cheered by a number of people that accompanied him. He experienced much wet and boisterous weather, and occasionally inhospitality on the road obliged him to rest in straw sheds.
0: He won his wager and beat Powell's 1773 time by 25 minutes. At the same time as Townsend's attempt, that October, a noted pedestrian, John Wright, a 51-year-old tailor, started off from London in his attempt to walk from London to York and back in five days. Wow. He certainly had the experience. He had previously walked 1,000 miles multiple times in less than 20 days. Early on, he became ill and lost about 45 miles because of it. Wright did finish the walk, but it took him the full six days.
1: It has been an unfortunate failure for the poor fellow, for had he succeeded, he would have been well rewarded.
0: James Tenney, age 49, was a very experienced pedestrian. He had previously walked 102 miles in 23 hours, and early in 1822 had walked 52 miles a day for 18 straight days. He also took up the six-day challenge in October on the Great North Road. In very bad weather, he finished in four days, 23 hours, 22 minutes, which was the fastest known time. It must have been a strange sight on the road to see all those pedestrians making their walks at the same time, attracting crowds. Not all pedestrians during the era were successful hitting the road for six days. There were likely dozens who failed attempts that never made the newspapers. Hilliard of Chelsea didn't make it, blaming bad roads. Parker of Newcross failed in his attempt to average 70 miles for six days. On the fifth day, he only walked 20 miles and had to quit, but he did reach 300 miles. The six day break Foster Powell's record craze continued the next year in 1823 starting on june 25th 1823 mark hawkins of lancashire walked the 400 miles from london to york and back in five days 11 and a half hours beating powell's best he had reached the 200 mile stone on the road in 62 hours and was accompanied by a man on horseback plagued by blisters on day four he pressed on walking 65 miles that day upon finishing it was proclaimed to be
1: the Greatest Pedestrian Match on Record
0: On August 16, 1824, pedestrian Alfred McGowell, aged 24, of Durham, England set out on his six-day feat. He walked back and forth on a 200-mile route on the Carlisle Road between Shoreditch Church in London and Borough Bridge for a massive wager of 200 pounds. Miguel was required to beat Powell's 1792 fastest known time by at least an hour, finishing before 5 days, 12 hours.
1: This is most decidedly the greatest undertaking ever tried by any pedestrian, and it excites much sporting interest.
0: Day one went well. He reached 75 miles, never stopping for more than a half hour at once. He reached 200 miles in only 54 hours, and was reported as being well and confident in winning. In the end, he succeeded in returning to London, reaching 400 miles in 5 days, 11 hours, 40 minutes, winning his wager. And then there was the bizarre attempt that took place in November 1824. Richard Sutton, the Kentish pedestrian, made his six-day attempt back and forth on the lower Bristol Road without making one turn. What? How can that be? Sutton would walk one mile forward and then backward one mile. That's crazy. During his crazy effort, he was annoyed by the poor state of the road and by travelers crowding the road. Amazingly, he accomplished his goal of reaching 300 miles in six days.
1: The powers of this pedestrian on the backward steps are truly astonishing.
0: After 1825, the six-day craze ended, and six-day attempts were more isolated for the next 50 years. There was one key exception. John Mountjoy of London was probably the most experienced, prolific, and celebrated pedestrian of the mid-1800s. He completed several impressive six-day runs going back and forth on turnpikes. In 1840, Mountjoy accomplished his most impressive six-day challenge. His wager required him to run for six days from Norwich to Yarmouth and back twice each day, 79 miles each day, for a total of 468 miles in six days. Mountjoy was very poor and started out alone, doing the run unsupported.
1: So poor indeed was he, that he had no change of clothes, and when wet to the skin on the fourth day, he was indebted to the kindness of some gentleman who brought him articles needed.
0: Finally, a stranger jumped in to provide support for many miles, and another started riding along with him. That night, he arrived so late back to Norwich that the crowd taunted him that he would lose his wager and finish late that day. But he instantly started running with such speed that his attendant on horseback had to ride fast to keep up with him. He finished just in time that night. Mountjoy succeeded covering the 468 miles in six days. The press was impressed with, the constancy, perseverance, patience, and resolution of Mountjoy. As the years passed, there were a few other successful six-day accomplishments. By 1873, no one had yet reached 500 miles in six days. Stay tuned for the next part when P.T. Barnum of circus fame There's a sucker born every minute was instrumental in organizing the first known six-day race in America and the 500-mile barrier is finally broken.
1: But never, never on a Sunday a Sunday, a Sunday cause that's my day of rest.
0: With that, This is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.